So last episode, Linda, we spoke about pertinent books on style and aging. So I think it's so fitting that this week we're talking with a best-selling author. Um, Allison is a best-selling author of Cozy Mysteries. And I love her tagline, don't you? Her tagline is murder mysteries that won't scare you to death. I love that. It's so true because she writes cozy mysteries. She's from the San Francisco Bay Area and she and I are buddies because we live nearby each other. (laughs) So this was really fun. It was fun to meet one of your BFFs. I know. (laughs) And you know, they say writers are shy and introverted, but even though Allison says she's an introvert, she was so outgoing and interesting to listen to all her stories. And she talked about her process as a writer and an author. She was fascinating. This was a great, great interview. It was. And I even learned things about her that I didn't know after 15 years. So Allison will give you all her information at the end of the episode. But we are talking today with Allison Golden. She is the writer of, like I'm saying, a series of cozy mysteries. And you can find her at Allison Golden with one L, allisongolden.com. Yes. Okay. Listen in. This is a wonderful, wonderful podcast. Welcome to Living Visibly Over 50, a podcast where we chat about how to use your beauty and style to show up and be visible in a culture that says it's not our time to shine anymore. I'm Lisa. And I'm Linda. You know, the most precious time in your life starts right now. Together, Lisa and I explore all the beauty and style tools available to women over 50 that keep us connected to our feminine energy. Hello, Allison. This is so exciting for me that you are here. I have to tell you. And and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, everyone who's listening why. That is because Allison is my dear friend. We actually live very close to each other. We go on walks several times a week. And we met years ago when our kids were little in the homeschooling community, right? So you two yeah. know everything about each other. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> in 15 years, I think. 15 years. Has it been that long? We're doing pretty darn good. As you know, Allison is a best-selling author, and I knew Allison before she was a best-selling author. And I, I would love to. There's so much that we have to share that Allison, you have to share with us. And I'm going to stop talking in a minute because I want you to take the center floor. But you know, you have a story about how you were um, a parent for the most part, really, really, really involved in your family life and then kids of course they grow up they go to college they move out of the house not necessarily in that order and we are at home going okay so what do we do and you created an entire new career for yourself and it was amazing to watch not only that you have an experience to share with breast cancer and what has always touched me is how open you are around the topic so I just want to share you <laughs> with the world. But first, let's warm up. You're from the UK. You grew up in England. And so you, but you live here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So tell me what that's like, because I know you travel back and forth. And Linda, jump in anytime you have a question. I love this. Your I turn. I want to know where in England you grew up. Ah, 
Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's lovely to be able to talk to you and to finally meet Linda. I've heard a lot about Linda over the last few years. Um, So I moved to the US, to the Bay Area when I was 32. So I wasn't real young. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd sort of already had quite a life in the UK. And I met my American husband when we worked for the same company in um, just outside London. And, you know, we had to do the back and forth for a few about 18 months it was and then you know we decided one of us had to sort of we had to be on at least the same continent so <laughs> it was, and it was always going to be me you know I I traveled a lot and and it, it wasn't a huge thing and he had his work here so I moved here really not knowing anyone not having a job wow. nothing really I just sort of landed and um, then I sort of just slowly worked my way in and it's been 25 years now I went to university here then I had my kids and now I'm working and uh, I go when the boys were about I have twin boys so flying was when they were little was impossible but when they got to about (laughs) six I made it um, I made it the the a priority that every other year we would go to the UK and then slowly as they've got older, more and more. So um, usually during the teen years, it was twice a year and then I would go as well on my own. So I would go about three times a year to the UK. And but of course, the last couple of years I haven't been, but I'm planning to in a few yeah. months. So you have a big trip planned. Yeah. 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 And you would go to the UK for the winter holidays. And I loved hearing your stories about what that was like. That was, I love living through that via you. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Christmas in England. And, uh, you know, it's cold usually. And uh, we go to church and do the sort of traditional things. And um, it was lovely to be able to show my kids what um, I experienced as a child. So um, there's a lot of sharing of my family uh traditions and and history with the boys and just little things that I take them to the parks that they that I used to go to and I'd show them birds and flowers and hedgerows that I was familiar with and grew around um and that was nice because it's so different living in Silicon Valley um yeah yeah (laughs) it's usually very warm and sunny on Christmas right right (laughs) right for some reason which yeah. is wrong. It's just yeah, wrong. It's so wrong. I love it. I love it when it rains on Christmas. I always say, oh, it feels Christmassy. And my husband, who's from New York, yeah. who of course is used to snow on Christmas, is like, you are nuts, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me, okay, I love this part too. Um, I watched you go from uh, empty nester. Of course, we still are empty nesters, but to finding your way in your career path after kids. Um, and there were several sort of reiterations of that along the way. Mm. And uh, you are now a professional best-selling author of Cozy Mysteries. So mm-hmm. can, can you share that with us, how that happened? Because I know people listening are, are like, how, what do we do once our kids grow up and out of the house? And what is my calling and how do I make that happen? So I, I love this story. Well, uh, I don't know whether I've ever told you this, but you Uh-oh. were a one of the people who inspired me. I was. Um, I don't. Yeah, you and my hairdresser. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I love that. 
So, you know, I was good at English when I was a child at school. And um, uh, but back in those days, you know, no one in my family wrote for or was creative for a living. You know, we went out and got jobs. And um, so it never crossed my mind. And then um, uh, I think one of the breakthroughs I had with, in terms of writing was was twofold that um, I belonged to a twins club when my children were young, very young, and I wrote an article about what it was like. And I loved writing that article and I got a great response from it. Um, but that was the end of it. And then a few years later, when they were about 10, I was on a committee for a fundraiser at our school and it was a rummage sale. And I'd done it the year before and it's been really hard to get volunteers. Um, to to help us put it on so I decided I was going to write a blog alongside all the preparation for the rummage sale um, because I thought that might recruit more volunteers and even if it didn't recruit more volunteers at least they would know how hard we worked in this sort of dirty <laughs> fair enough <laughs> dirty kind of hard physical labor job and and we just made we made something like $30,000 from this rummage sale. I mean, it was wow. a huge sum of money and the blog just kind of went kind of viral. And um, so that was another experience of my writing that made me go, oh, you know, <laughs> I can write. Something in this. <laughs> so um, around this time or just, just before that, I had homeschooled my son and got to know um, Lisa. And she had talked to me about her makeup and, you know, how, what her career was and how she was selling, you know, mineral makeup at that time because she wanted something for the future. Right. And I was like, oh. I, I, I called it my, my seed baby, my seed business. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a hairdresser huh. who lives in Miami and he basically had, he has clients in New York and he has clients in Silicon Valley and he moved around and six weeks, you know, around. And I thought, oh, he that's smart too, because he's got a skill mm -hmm. that everybody wants and it doesn't matter where he is, he can do yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And that was also something I was thinking about. I was thinking about the UK and, you know, spending more time there as when the kids had grown and all of it. So between Lisa and my hairdresser, I was like, okay, I, these do, these are, this is smart. I need to do something like this. What can I do? So after I'd done the rummage sale, I started to get work just naturally. People from the school started bringing me clients and I wrote newsletters for them. I edited books and then I started my own blog. I monetized the blog. But then I was faced with two sets of college tuition at once. Oh, <clears> yeah, that's twins. Okay, I need to do something here. I wanted to contribute significantly to that expense that we were going to have in the next few years. And that's when I just woke up one day and went, I'm going to write fiction. And wow. it was really, that was all it was. I just thought, you know, I'd had these experiences. It was a natural growth. I never really wanted to write. I never thought, oh, I have a book in me or anything. People had mentioned it to me before. I was mm -hmm. like, I don't think so. Um, but I thought this is what I'm going to do. And I decided I was going to write three series because I thought two of them would flop. None of them flopped. <laughs> I did not I'm know that. Your thought. <laughs> I'm still writing all, the, all of the series. They didn't and, flop, by the way. <laughs> uh, and, um, and here we are, you know, and it's, but it's been a steady progress. You know, I've been writing fiction now for seven years. 
it's just been a case of putting one foot after and one foot after another over and over over those seven years and just not giving up really it right was, and, so and that, I remember then I remember when you started, you were, you just enmeshed yourself into it. You took courses and you just did everything you connected with people. I don't even know probably most of what you did, but I saw you just, I guess, immerse is the word in, in the process Mm -hmm. and you made it work. So what made you choose cozy mysteries as your venue? Well, I would, was going to do romance to start with. I thought I'd heard that people make lots of money in romance. So <laughs> I thought I'd, do, I'd do, write romance books. And I sat, literally, I sat down at my keyboard to write a romance story. And then I thought, I've never read a romance story in my life. What am I doing? <laughs> I did not know that either. <laughs> you know, I was like, what am I thinking? So I thought what I do read and what I've always read is mysteries. So I'll write mysteries. However, I'm not, I don't like, I'm very sensitive and I don't like gory stuff. I don't like really scary stuff. And I, I, one of my taglines now is that I write murder mysteries for the highly sensitive reader because my readers are people who, but who, who as well don't want that level of spice or they don't want that level of steam. They want, they want a well-written intriguing mystery especially with likable characters that they fall in love with. And they want to be comforted when they choose these books and read these books. I know that's how I feel. You know, I love cozy mysteries as well. I want to be comforted. Right. It's a big thing. (laughs) And, and, And when I start a book, I start with the feeling that I want my reader to feel at the end of it. Wow. That's the point I come from. I go, how do I want them to feel? And then I start to write. Wow. Wonderful. Now, um, Allison, I know several people who have attempted to write fiction and they find it so difficult because they don't treat it like a job, you know, like a career. So if someone is interested, number one, I love the fact that you did take classes because I think um, there's a lot to learn. I would imagine about the process and structure and things like that in writing. And then how do you, what is your sort of uh, ritual every day? Do you work every day? Good question. How do you structure that? Mm -hmm. So um, just to to address your your first point, there's really sort of three areas. There's the uh, craft side of it, the actual writing structure of a story. There's the technical side of it, which is murder, murder mystery, police procedure, that kind of, you know, legal process. And then there's the business side of it. So you need you need to sort of have all three for I what I do. And I actually enjoy the, the, the various different parts of that. And so there are courses and, and trainings that I do really ongoing in all three areas. Wow. And then my ritual is, yes, I work every day. I literally work every day. We talk about this a lot on our walks. We bounce ideas back and forth. Like, how do you find your balance? And what are you doing now for your daily rhythms? Because all three of us are entrepreneurs. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we can work every day. We can if we want to. Yeah. We can Mm -hmm. if we want to. And I find that I have to force myself, especially on a Sunday, no work. 
you know, take some, just do something completely non-fashion related. Yeah. But Allison, you do carve out time for yourself. Yes. I mean, you, you, I, I know that you do that. You do work every day, but you also, you know, when you're not in crunch times trying to get that book out mm. to publish, yeah. um, you do, how do you do that? How do you take care of yourself? And that, well, we're going to get back to that in another question, but <laughs> you know, how do you take those days off? So, so there's a rhythm to writing a book for, for me anyway, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, I, I tend to start and it's, it's, it's like climbing a mountain. I was describing, you know, you start off with enthusiasm and, you know, you've got lots of energy, you yeah. sort of power up that and then you kind of get halfway up and it, you get a bit tired and you're sort of like pushing yourself on. You get a bit more higher and you can see the summit. And so you just like, oh, get yourself up to that top and then you've got the downward slope on the other side and, and it's easy. And, and writing a book is like that. And um, understanding the different um, stages uh, for me is, has been important. And I've had to learn that. So there are times when I just push, I just mm-hmm. say, I'm just going to sit in my chair and I'm just going to keep going until I've got through this particular stage. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there are other stages that I can go, you know, I'm going to take Wednesday off. I'm going to take Sunday off. I have, you know, a party to go to or, a, you know, a something to attend and I can take that time off. Yeah. And um, I personally, I know a lot of writers, they'll do things like they'll write in the morning and then they'll do business marketing in the afternoon. Mm. I can't do that. I'm just either all marketing or I'm all, bit, all, all writing. Um, so I spend my whole days like this often weeks like that and then I'll like right now I'm in a marketing or I'm in a break between books actually so I'll do my marketing um at at these times and then I'll go into book mode and then nobody hears from me and (laughs) I'm not very talkative um but on a day-to-day basis I I plan every night what I'm going to plan the next day Lisa knows I'm a big planner um I get up and I'm usually at my desk by eight in the morning I often work in sprints if I'm writing so I'll say I'm do 20 minutes and then I'll go do something else I'm a very I'm actually not a typical writer in the sense that I need a lot of physical activity so there's a lot of built-in movement to my day I have a desk that goes up and down so I can stand at my desk and work yeah I'll go and you know do a sprint and I'll walk around the block or I'll fold some laundry um I one of the things I love to do, which is a bit of a meditation of mine, is I like jigsaws, jigsaw puzzles. Oh, another part of the mystery brain. Um, often, uh, people who like mysteries often like puzzles, oh. and so I'll go and do a bit of uh, a jigsaw puzzle. I'll often listen to uh, trainings in my headphones while I'm doing a jigsaw puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I wouldn't say. Uh, there is a rhythm it doesn't sound like it but for various stages I have a rhythm I'm at my desk at eight I'll go through the day with lots and lots of breaks um, and finish at about six and but I'll also take off time as I need to for various commitments and depending on the stage I'll I'll actually designate a when usually it's Wednesday and Sundays I like to split my days off up and um uh, and, I, and I plan my days off. 
say that plan. my jokes. Is my I'm big time. <laughs> big time planner. And I like hearing about the day-to-day nuances. I think that, I think we don't talk about that enough. We think it's boring, but in fact, it's not. It's interesting to us. Yeah. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. And that is um, to your story, Allison, about five years ago, when you found out you had breast cancer, Mm -hmm. Uh, you were, and still are such an inspiration around that because you were so open about it. And it was amazing to watch you go through that. Mm-hmm. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so it was complete surprise. Uh, there was no, no, I have no cancer history in my family. There was nothing to suggest that I had breast cancer. I went for a regular mammogram and I actually had, uh, when I, w- when I went for the mammogram, the technician who was, um, who came to greet me said, I have a brand new technician with me. Would you mind if she did your mammogram? And I was like, no, you know, that's fine. So anyway, she did my mammogram. And then four days later, I got a phone call and they said, uh, we need to have another look. I thought that this brand new technician had not done a, a job that was, you know, up to that was necessary never crossed my mind that they had seen something that they wanted to check out so I went back on my own uh I went back to the screening center they said no you're not to go here you're to go to the cancer center I went oh went to the cancer center they sat me down they said we're going to give you an ultrasound and then if we need to we're going to give you another thing I was like oh and about an hour later I was like oh this is bad this is this is this is not what I thought when I got up that morning Mm. and they told me straight away that I had got it and within within about an hour I was on the table having a biopsy and all all kinds of things and then you're thrown into this this process where you that you just have to submit to because you know your life's on the on the line really so I was totally shocked I had I'd always been prided myself. I've, you know, been fit and healthy. Um, I worked hard at that over the years to, to maintain my health and keep it in tip top form. So it was a total shock for me. And I was actually a lot less open at the beginning than I normally am because I just had to process. Well, I, if I remember when you first told me it was over an email or a text, text. it was a text. text. And you said, oh, I, for a long time, I remembered the exact phrase you used, but you said, I've been diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, she said, prepare yourself. Or are you sitting down? I knew knew you would get very upset. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I will never forget. Uh, Yeah. I will never forget that. Uh, so yeah, it had been about, it had been several weeks since you were diagnosed. When you yeah, it had been several weeks up. by then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really go out uh, publicly uh, until after I'd had surgery. Um, I had a lumpectomy mm-hmm. and then it became clear that my situation was a little more serious than they'd anticipated and chemotherapy was on, uh, definitely on the cards. So um, I, I did go out and I shared, I shared it on Facebook with my friends And I also shared it with my readers. And that was a very interesting process for me because I wanted to take time off. And if it was something that I felt 
I had to do for myself, which was put myself front and center. I was the most important person now. <laughs> you know, I, everybody else had to just make way for me. And one of the things I really wanted to do was stop working. I wanted to just take that time off and concentrate on my treatment and my recovery. And um, before I sent out this message to my readers to explain this, I had thought, one of the things I love about writing is that I turn something, nothing, you know, their ideas, their thoughts I have, and I turn them into a story that then people enjoy. Um, I'm also able to employ people and give them the dignity of work. And we both share, they give me their services and I give them money that they can then use to support their family. And I love those exchanges with both my readers and with the people that I work with. But when I was, before I had cancer, I thought I made these stories and just, you know, put them on Amazon and people bought them and read them and then moved on to the next. I, what I didn't realize until I sent this message out to my readers was this was much, my books were a lot more spiritual. They had a lot more, their, their role in my readers' lives was far greater than I really had understood. Um, because people started to share with me that my books had helped them get through really difficult times in their own lives and were distractions from things that they had to deal with and pain or, or just sitting at a doctor's at a doctor's waiting room or right. by somebody's bedside. What a gift. And I hadn't understood that until that point. I, I had assumed it was purely transactional between me and them. Um, so that was really, uh, it just changed my complete outlook in terms of my writing and um, um, just, just the relationship that I had with my readers. And um, I, I've even evolved further than that by thinking, you know, now it just gives me pleasure to give other people pleasure with my books. You know, I like, I love to entertain them, but I love to give them pleasure. And, and that's one of my goals. I was like, when I get to finish a book, I'm like, am I giving pleasure with this book? And that's when I know that I'm done with it, if the answer is yes. Wow. Yeah. So it was definitely, I, I just am a true believer in things happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. Everything is a lesson. Mm -hmm. That is so clear. So mm -hmm. that was five years ago. Yeah, it was yeah. almost exactly five years ago. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So I think I went it was, through the yeah, it was February, I think, when you told me, I think. It was right? uh, April. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Close <laughs> enough. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I love this is a podcast for women, about women. I mean, what you're sharing is just so beautiful and so deep and the fact that your books have been so uh, integral in so many women's lives I mean I'm assuming men read them too uh, we don't we never know yeah <laughs> never know yeah but you know I'm always curious how it sounds like you have really uh, had a lot of self-discovery and how you, how that's translated, you know, surviving breast cancer into how you take care of yourself physically and 
emotionally and spiritually now. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so as I said before, I'm sort of a move a lot. So I do, um, I walk, I run, I lift weights, I do Pilates and yoga, I do something every day. And that's very important to me. I really yeah. notice how my emotional, um, my mood drops if I don't physically move. So yeah sometimes right I wonder why am I right I have to sit you know I have to sit with the computer so much but you know mixing it up is is the best way yeah I yeah. journal every day so every day I start the day with three pages and um uh just stream of consciousness stuff uh, I yeah. I actually uh, shred my journals do oh. you Yes, as soon as I finish them, I shred them. And I do that because I want to feel that I'm free to write whatever I want in those. I have never heard anyone say that. That's no. actually brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So I just feel free enough to write whatever I like, terrible things, you know, if I want to, yeah. because I'm getting it out and I'm yeah. processing it. And um, then I get to the end and I shred them. Um, because and, and knowing that they'll be shredded and now enables me to be free to write that. Oh my so um, I sleep a lot. I'll na I nap. I nap. I love a, I love a I nap, nap now too. <laughs> I never used to nap. Oh, I've always napped. Oh, oh my God. It, it's so refreshing. It's, it's such a luxury. Mm -hmm, it's a luxury. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. When you don't work in an office, I think right. that's why for 35 years, I worked in an office. Right. Not, yeah. not likely yeah. you're going to go into the yeah. <laughs> kitchen in the office and nap. Yeah. This is wonderful. And, um, and then, um, so one of the other things is I can't, a lot of writers will write to music and I can't do that. I have to have dead silence, uh, um, but I do like music in between times. So mm -hmm. if I get up feeling a bit, ooh, put some music on I'll get in the right mood and then I'll just you know keep keep um listening to music on and off throughout the day when I'm having my breaks and I also listen to audiobooks I do a lot of I listen to more audiobooks than I read, read. isn't that yeah. interesting it's a lovely yeah. life yeah you really have created a lovely life for yourself yeah mm -hmm. and yeah. it just so suits you it really does well, and because we're a fashion uh, podcast, half of it is about fashion and style. I'm always asking our guests, if you have a particular style personality, um, it believe me, these last two years of pandemic, I know we've all sort of defaulted to sweats and things that we never thought we would be wearing uh, every day. But what do you love about fashion? Um, I'd love to hear about maybe a British fashion. Is that an influence or is it more California fashion? Yeah, well, uh, it's interesting you say that about Britain. So when I first yeah. moved to California, I was so upset. <laughs> Everyone was so casual. Oh, no it sure one, is. No yeah. one dressed up. And, no. you know, I... I had all these low, all these lovely suits and and clothes, and I, I couldn't wear any of them. 
Um, and, you know, in the times when I've been to New York, I feel much more at home yeah. clothes. They do there. dress up more. Yes. It's yes. much more European. And, and I like the British, what I like also about the British fashion is that it's uh, warmer. I like winter clothes. I like that. Um, I like the sort of structure of winter clothes yeah. over um, So you could layer? Do you yes. like to layer? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, now, um, I mean, I, I actually had to change my style, my personal style when I had kids, because basically when you've got two little boys, you have <laughs> to be ready to run You bet. At, at, at a moment's notice. So I, I wore yoga pants and athletic wear and really got into the comfort. You know, I wore tennis shoes all the time. That fits right in. It does. <laughs> you know, and it does. Right it fits state. right in. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's still the same now because I'm it still is. taking breaks. And so I'm, you know, I'm leggings and yoga pants yeah. and um, th- I have to be warm. So I'm sort of really into the thermal and the layers yeah. still. And then um, a big sort of baggy. This is actually one that Lisa took me shopping. For. I recognize that. You, know, you went on a little shopping spree together. Over leggings. <laughs> but Lisa and Lisa will know this. My big thing is jewelry. Oh, she yeah. is a jewelry hound, yeah, this woman. And the earrings have to match the necklace and they yeah. don't, they aren't worn with any other necklace. <laughs> oh, yes. that's right. Right. So I have a, I have um, a tower, a huge tower of um, stacked jewelry trays in yeah. my bathroom and everything, as Lisa says, there's earrings with a necklace and I don't mix them. She doesn't mix and, them up. And wow. I'd have a, I call them widows and orphans. They're the necklaces and earrings that don't have a match. And yeah. so every, every so often I will go and buy something and come bring it home and hope that it fits with <laughs> one of my other widows and orphans. So um, that's that's yeah, how well, I tend to be. Uh, I sort of try to spruce things up with my jewelry. Yes. So, so you're accessorizing your leisure wear. Absolutely. Yes. Always has. Yeah. So tell me what your favorite Simple Beauty Minerals products are, because I know you're oh. one of my customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> the, easy, well the, the best thing is the pink soap. I wear you love the pink mineral bar. I you buy, buy that in me drugs. Too. Yeah. Ten I pink buy soap. three at a time. Yes, yeah. so does Allison. Oh. <laughs> More, more, more. (laughs) More? Okay. (laughs) I can only fit so many in a box. That's right. (laughs) Except Allison, I can hand deliver, so it's okay. Yeah. And the cucumber toner. And the toner. I have the toner and um, the, the, that, that's, what is this? Is it the cucumber spray? No, 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 no. The one. Revive. The exfoliator. The one, that one. Oh, Radiance. Radiance Reveal. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. Perfect. Oh, that's right. You do have that. Okay. Very good. Lisa gets us all exfoliating. I never used to exfoliate. (laughs) Gotta have glowy skin. Gotta get that dead skin off your face. Before we run out of time, we would love you to tell all of our listeners how to find you and keep up with all the new books that you're about to write. Okay. So I currently have a full series and, um, uh, two of them are set in England. There's a British detective. There's a kind of funny, ditzy um, uh, young woman vicar. I have one set in New Orleans and one uh, sort of a thriller series that's set in Canada. And that's my favorite. Yeah, my Diana Hunter. The series. Diana series. Yeah. 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 So um, uh, if, if uh, they're all available on Amazon. 
and they're also in Kindle Unlimited if anybody is a subscriber to um, that service. But if you are new to me and you would like to try my books, if you sign up for uh, on my website, which is alisongolden.com, Alison with one L, you can download the first books in each of the four series for free onto your device. And then you can try each of the series to see uh, which ones you like. And oh, so that's a sort of wonderful. no risk way of, of um, choosing uh, the series. And um, yeah. Yeah, they're all quite different. Um, and there's most people read all, all of my series, um, but some prefer, you know, one over the other. And that's a good way to find out. And I love getting, uh, I would say getting hooked because I do, I get hooked yes. on an author and I just, yes. I read everything, everything. the author has read. Yeah. Right. So I think yes. a lot of people are, li- are like that very yes. much. Yes. yes, please. Those are Please listeners get hooked on Allison. <laughs> hooked on Allison. <laughs> Check out those books there. It's a no lose situation and they're yeah. really fun. I yeah. really enjoy them. Thank you for being here. This was such a treat for me, for everyone, Wonderful. but especially for me. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's been lovely. You're welcome. All right. Take good care, Allison. And Thank everyone so be beautifully visible out there. Thank you for being here and listening to the entire Living Visibly Over 50 podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Your five-star rating, wink, wink, and review helps us reach more women so they too can get a confidence boost to show up and stand out over 50. And be sure to head over to simplebeautyminerals.com for your beauty and skincare needs and truecolorsbylinda.com to enroll in a color and style course. But wait, bonus! We are running a contest. Leave us a written review on iTunes, screenshot your review and message us to Instagram or Facebook and you'll be entered into the contest. We'll choose a winner once a month who will receive a 15% gift code from both Lisa and Linda.